0: You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel.
1: And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 262nd edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 861st episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of August 25th, 2022. I am your host, Brian Tonsoni, and let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call. How we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Won the National championship. This week's banner moment occurred earlier this week with the announcement by Blue Ribbon Sports that Trace Jackson Davis made their All-American team, the first Indiana Hoosier to be named to this list since Thomas Bryant in the 2016-17 season. Team success is always the main focus of any program, but in order to be successful, a program needs good players. Trace Jackson Davis has earned this recognition and seems poised to move forward and lead the Indiana Hoosiers to their most successful record in years. According to an article in the Indiana Daily Student, Jackson Davis is quoted saying, I'm honored to receive this recognition and and am excited about the possibilities that are in front of us. My teammates and I are looking forward to building off the momentum of the end of last season. Words matter for a leader. Actions even more. However, using the word us and including his teammates shows that Trace Jackson-Davis is focused on leading this team in several ways. This is a good sign, as Indiana needs a consistent effort and output from Trace Jackson-Davis to reach its goals. He has, even, he has been a big part of getting Indiana back to its winning ways, and TJD can leave quite a legacy individually and collectively with leadership and play this season. Congratulations, Trace. Now, go forward and win. Okay, now let me introduce my co host for tonight, the world's nicest bracketologist and a Hall of Fame youth sports coach.
2: The best of you sports coaching, you know that we got them. When it comes to analytic trends, you know he can spot them. For first class bracketology, if you want the top, you got to go
1: bottom. If you want the top, you got to go bottom. bottom. Andy, what are your thoughts uh, about Indiana basketball or college basketball or maybe even Indiana football uh, as we get as we're sitting here tonight? Boy, I don't I don't know. I'm
0: not drinking, so I'm not sure I can talk about IU football (laughs) quite yet. But, hey, a little more than a week away. We'll see what we'll see what happens. Um but, uh, you know, from an IU standpoint, you know, the biggest thing that happened uh, outside of the, the TJD uh, piece that you mentioned before was really the fan fest that took place over the weekend. Uh, saw and, and heard a lot of good things about that uh, on Twitter. So it uh, seemed like a, a well-done event and uh, gave people an earlier glimpse than normal at the team. I think probably the thing that IU fans maybe most excited about coming out of that was the, uh, the, one, the one footage of uh, Tamar Bates hitting multiple three-pointers from the wing. Uh, I think at this point, any kind of uh, good shooting display is enough to, to get the juices flowing for IU fans, so exciting to see that. Everybody came out of that healthy, most importantly, and uh, at least a, a little taste here in August of what is uh, is to come for the season, so a- exciting to see at least a little bit of on-court action, which is more than we'll usually get at this time outside of any kind of uh, overseas uh, trip. So uh, good, uh, good work by Joel, who posted a number of the videos, I believe, for that on, on Twitter that I watched them up. So. Uh, The man on the scene, as always.
1: Now let me introduce our special guest host for the show, a true basketball mastermind, former high school point guard and graduate of Indiana University, a member of the three-man weave crew who discusses basketball in many ways, podcasts, writing, everything, and has a new venture that we'll talk about. Uh, Matt Cox joins us. Matt, your thoughts on uh, IU college basketball. Uh, What's going on with you here recently? Well first of all, pleasure to be here.
2: Um, I listen to I guess many of uh, podcasts throughout the uh, the off season, but I very few during the season obviously I, I stay plugged in with the local IU um, coverage and you guys do do the best out there. So thank you for your your fine service. I'm doing great. We just actually broke down a myriad of big 10 teams today on our own podcast. Um, so it's fresh in my mind. I'll try and just basically repeat the same takes I had which were nothing short of flawless um i'm excited man vic 10 is interesting i think every year that narrative is apt, but um you can kind of debate i think 10 or you know 10 out of the 14 teams all night long in terms of where they're going to finish iu included uh it's a pretty polarizing squad and we've gotten a lot of pushback and praise but mostly pushback by our consensus ranking of the hoosiers so far
1: and we'll get into that in segment two, a lot of conversation back and forth between Andy, Matt, and I on, on Big Ten basketball. But here's what we have in store this week. We'll go over some Hoosier headlines, uh, and then we'll get the three-man weave perspective and Matt's perspective on Indiana, Big Ten, uh, and, and talk that up. And in segment three, we have a, a few questions from our community uh, members that we'll be uh, excited to answer. All of that is coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. Now, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Home field apparel, well on for the team. This edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, is presented by our friends at Homefield Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere, with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison. Homefield also has something for fans and grads of other schools, considering their product line now extends to more than 120 different schools with unique vintage logos for all of them. And tomorrow they're coming out with some Indianapolis Colts uh, gear, if that is, is your thing. So no matter what you buy, you know that it'll be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through the Kelly School of Business. What could be better than that? So go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME for 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. Little slow on the fade, but here's our Hoosier headlines for the week. Uh, As we mentioned earlier, TJD was named uh, Blue Ribbon All American. Coming out today, Jalen Hood Shafino was invited to participate this weekend in the Chris Paul Elite Guard Camp. Uh, Good news uh, for maybe his outlook this year. And Xavier Johnson, the legal issues uh, were resolved, and and now we just await to see if there's anything uh, in house. In store for Xavier Johnson, as Andy mentioned, the Fan Fest was a a success for uh, all of all the weekend and so many people, but especially the kids. Um, so many videos. I know IU artifacts sent. Uh, out some stuff talking about his kids really enjoyed it. Josh and Dakota Wilson, big fans of the show, uh, had their daughter at the women's camp and and sent out some nice pictures of when dad was a camper at IU and then 15 years later the daughter was a a camper um, at IU and and fans get to see uh, the players. That's the big part of Hoosier Hysteria and this Fan Fest. Uh, always a good thing and raising money for the NIL. Uh, always good congratulations to everyone involved uh, a super thing that the fan fest uh, I created a season-long college fo- football uh, pick'em contest for members in our community no cost no fees uh, winner I'll, I'll buy you a home field uh, apparel shirt of your choice so if you like to uh, guess some college football go to our community join our community uh, and, and look for that information in there Uh, Doing the work, uh, our women's basketball podcast uh, put out a Title IX version this week. Go back and listen to that if you have not already. The women's program is headed in good um, directions. An announcement tomorrow in our online community, we'll be hosting a happy hour to talk Indiana football with Sammy Jacobs from Hoosier Huddle. That will be held 5 to 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time uh, tomorrow. Uh, So get a little football preview from uh, the guy who does a good job at Hoosier Huddle. And our guest, uh, Matt, uh, you're involved in a, in, in a collaboration, a college basketball preview collaboration um, with Heat Check, Field of 68, yourselves, Three Man Weave, Verbal Commits. Uh, it's, it's a place where a lot of great people, um, you know, your crew, i I'm really impressed with the Heat Check uh, people and what they do. And, and obviously, uh, the Field of 68 podcasts have been fantastic We can read about Indiana, where they see the Hoosiers, where they're in the Big Ten, and a really good college basketball preview. The Almanac is is for sale, uh, and it's a really good price for a basketball. Matt, explain a little bit how all that works and and what we can look forward to if we we buy that preview.
2: Uh, Well, first of all, I'll say that Jeff Goodman officially wrote the Indiana preview, so if anyone has (laughs) any issues with it, you can take all that up with him on Twitter. I'll share his handle uh, as well. But, um, no, seriously, thanks for the kind words. Um, yeah, it's our debut, I guess, launch of this. Um, we hope to be an annual, um, basically the blue ribbon athlon on steroids is how we're marketing it to the coaches and to the masses. Um, if you're interested, go to our Twitter. Uh, that's at 3mw underscore cbb. There's a link to purchase it on the Gumroad app. It's all digital. Um, we hope to do a hard copy maybe in the future, but all digital this year. Three or sorry, thirteen hundred words on all 363 teams. Um, even on our website, we did it for free for the last six, seven years. We would kind of skirt a little bit on the SWAC and the MEAC. Some of the teams were, you know, after I'd written about 90, I kind of just lost steam, but no, but we give every team it's full due. Um, so I think if you're a big 10 Indiana fan, and you want to kind of do some in-depth scouting on the schedule, uh, you know, especially in conference, but also out of conference. Um, man, I hope there's, I hope we're the gold standard. We put a lot of time into it, uh, fairly proud of it. And, um, We'll see how it goes. We're going to open it up to feedback and um, any, you know, opportunities for improvement, I think, to the fans after it gets published and released. Because I know the first year is going to be a lot of herks and jerks and stuff like that. But uh, the research is there. I think the, you know, just the robust intelligence we have, the brain power behind it, Um, the access to coaches. I mean, I think we've done so many previews over the years where I think we know what we're doing. But until you hear it from the horse's mouth, you really don't. Um, I mean, a couple of times I was humble trying to presume about a certain offense or defensive scheme and a coach promptly corrected me um, or making leaps on newcomers, freshmen, that type of stuff. So it, it can't be understated how much the coach insight matters. However, I do apologize to those who were enjoying our previews for free the last seven years. Um, but I do need to feed myself and my girlfriend, and my dog and 32 years old. It's time to
1: stop doing a part time job pro bono for two months. So, <laughs> well, that's where I'm at. I know I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Andy and I, the Bracketology, we like to get as much information as we can. I share it with our, our student uh, group, the information that I can read uh, from that. So um, just really respect what you guys have done uh, at the three-man. weave. have uh, been, been listening to podcasts for, for a while and really look forward to seeing uh, that collaboration. Andy, do you want to go back and talk anything about um, the TJD or Hood Shafino, uh, Xavier's issue and wh- what you think that – uh, kind of means going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, at the at the risk of uh, you know, pumping up Matt too much here, I will echo a lot of what you said. I mean, a big part of my, uh, you know, preseason bracketology uh, over the years has been informed by the the previews that uh that Matt and Kai and Jim have uh, have worked on over the stream, and we've very comprehensive. So, looking forward to see it kind of go to the next level in the uh, in the almanac and. Uh, very excited about that, uh, as I know the work you guys put in, like you said, for free, and so uh, good to good to see it get a, a larger platform. Uh, in terms of you know IU headlines, I think the Jalen Hutschefino, uh, obviously, good for him to be selected in that. Um, being able to compete against uh, other top guards is is nothing but a good thing there, and and ties in, I guess, a little bit to the Xavier Johnson piece of things, uh, because now all we're really awaiting is to see. You know how many games he will uh, end up missing. I I think we've all kind of been under the assumption he'll miss some. It's just a matter of uh, how many at this point, and um, not really a reason I guess uh, for Mike Woodson to release that now. So, uh, you know, the more of, of those kinds of opportunities Hetchefino gets, the the better prepared he may be to step in uh, for X over the first you know who knows how many games of the season, but at least the legal piece of it is kind of behind them. And then they just wait to figure out what the the disciplinary pieces are from a program standpoint. So that's at least one cloud that uh, still hanging over the program a little bit in the off season, but, but maybe not as much as it was uh, a week or so ago.
1: And, and Matt, as we end segment one, I'll get your um, take as an Indiana grad, 2013 Indiana grad <laughs> on the state of the program. And, and you can take off your, you know, writer hat, podcaster hat, uh, and analyzing you know uh, basketball fairly. Uh, your your general thoughts on the Indiana program uh, in year two of uh, Coach Woodson. I mean, it's kind of got that buzz and that excitement
2: and that optimism that everyone yearns for, right? That's sort of the 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 slippery slope that every program gets caught in, right? You, you you want success instantly, and then when you get past like that year four, year five, and it doesn't feel like there's any forward momentum, then it sort of starts to spiral I I think back to the the latter parts of the Tom Crean regime um but you know big picture macro direction I mean I I love where Woodson has this thing going um in terms of this season and maybe some relative concerns I have about where people are ranking IU on the national spectrum uh you know top 10 top 5 and even Jeff Goodman number one although I think Jeff Goodman is obviously influenced because his daughter is enrolling (laughs) in Indiana this year um I have some you know, some question marks with Woodson's X and O stuff, specifically the rotation piece, but big picture. I mean, that's a nitpick in where I think the program's headed, the to town he's bringing in, the culture he's instilling, what he wants to uh weave in on both sides of the ball. Um, and I have some quotes from the uh the interview that one form that preview I can try and share throughout the program that I think will hopefully shed some light on what he's thinking that may not have been um, documented elsewhere. But you no know, I'm I'm all in. I mean I, I think it was a it was a really good hire and I I think he Outperformed my expectations last season. Um, I know the Big Ten record is sort of lackluster, and there are some frustrating moments. Um, but a lot to put together, a lot to cobble together in a short amount of time, and high expectations. I think he, you know, all things, you know, ignoring the eyesore dud against St. Mary's, it was a pretty damn good uh, performance. And I just actually spoke with Randy Bennett today. He does apologize, by the way, uh, IU Nation for that that beat down, which was fairly fairly convincing.
1: Well, we're getting ready to talk a little more IU in segment two. We'll talk some Big Ten and some just general college basketball uh, with Matt from Three Man Weave and and Andy, too. So, um, you know, stick with us, and we'll be right back.
0: Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. This is Verdell Jones. What's better than an epic buzzer beater, the full court dribble, and perfectly placed pass to set it all up? And of course, celebrating with Hoosier Nation
2: afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call. After every IU basketball game, go Hoosiers.
1: Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Tonight, I'm joined by Andy Bottoms and Matt Cox from Three Man Weave. and. We're having real good sound issues on the <laughs> on the soundboard tonight. Uh, give me a, a D minus. I'm gonna have to run laps afterwards. But we're joined by uh, some great people here. We're gonna talk basketball uh, for the next 20 minutes here in, in this segment. A little bit of Indiana, uh, a lot of Big Ten, and maybe a little bit of uh, of, of national college basketball. So. Matt, we're going to fire a couple of questions at you. Uh, feel free to answer, and if you got questions back for us, um, yep. let us know, and we'll just uh, have a good conversation. But I'd like to start off um, with the ceiling and the floor um, for, for this Indiana uh, basketball team. As you said, um, uh, there's a lot of people that think, you know, top 10, top 15, and some people are a little more cautious. Where do you see the ceiling and floor for the Indiana Hoosiers? Well, I think
2: the ceiling is incredibly high. I'm sorry, the, the floor is incredibly high, excuse me. I, the the foundational defensive fortress you have with with race and TJD um, and how Woodson, I think, you know, turned that into such a formidable uh, you know blanket up front. I think that keeps the floor as high as any team in the Big Ten to be honest. That's just a general theme I have and, and how I prognosticate teams. If you have elite rim protection, you can defend the paint. you're always going to have you know low, Opponent two point field percent that's always a good thing. And it's hard to that kind of gives you like a security blanket, in my opinion. So in terms of where that falls in the Big Ten, I don't see IU finishing any worse than you know, fourth. Yeah, top four is to me almost a lock at this point, um, within the Big Ten spectrum. And then on the national spectrum, like you know, top twenty-five, I would be stunned to see them fall outside the top twenty-five, which equates to what Andy, you're the bracketologist here, top six, top five seed. Um, you know, as a quasi-professional better, I mean, I think they're, they're pretty big favorites to be a, a top five or higher seed. Now, I think most people listening are like, well, you know, they're probably, they want to hear this bro- broken down in the context of like Big Ten champs and top two seed. Um, I have IU second overall in my updated revised rankings. I, I, I re-looked at it today. I thought IU was a little too low in my initial um, prognostication. I have IU second, a hair behind Illinois team. I'm extremely high on for um, largely irrational and somewhat irrational reasons. But I think I use the second-best team in the Big Ten. I just don't think there are any great teams in the Big Ten as a whole. I think mean, it's a lot of really, really, really good teams, um, but no great, great teams. And so that's why I think IU falls just uh, on the second tier in my Big Ten podium. And um, in between that, 15 to 20, closer to 20 on the overall spectrum.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's funny because I know, um, you know Gary Parish and, and Norlander have been doing their summer shoot-around series, and so they hit IU – I think it was late last week, early this week. Um, And yeah, they kind of talked a little bit about the same thing where there's in the top 25 and one there's five or six big 10 teams within maybe an eight, nine team range all toward that kind of 15 to 25 uh, area where based on what's there, nobody's, nobody really separates themselves and it's probably a clear cut uh, number one in that regard. So I think, you know, the thoughts around the big 10 being, you a lot of parity are fair i think yeah and but i don't think it seems like whether it's iu or anybody else anybody probably rockets into the elite tier of you know probably if you if whoever wins the big ten maybe you end up with a three seed but at least as you kind of look at it right now i don't i don't know that there's anybody who's going to run through the league with such a gaudy record that gets them you know a top two seed line maybe that's maybe that ends up being untrue but at least as you kind of look through the landscape a lot of everyone's good, but not great teams
2: everyone's flawed and i think at the national level too you see the same thing uh but coach you mentioned the ceiling I, I think the ceiling while it looks really high on paper because you have so much coming back and you have two five stars stepping in um i don't actually think the ceiling's like top five or, or like 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 national t- i mean they certainly can get there but the, the problem for me is that the you know you look at Jalen Hood you know he does everything on the floor everything the one question mark I think in his game is shooting and that's where i don't know if I buy in the ceiling being super high and I think it comes back to how Woodson manages the rotations you could make a case that the highest ceiling for this team involves a scenario in which you let Bates and Geronimo and Huchifino play big minutes but that comes at the expense of the Xavier Johnsons the Miller Cops the more you know established call it lower ceiling higher floor veterans that's the whole story to me of this team this season like the defense is going to be there there's talent, there's depth. I think they can withstand multiple key injuries and still sustain. But how is Woodson going to do the rotational, you know, juggle, right? Is he going to do eight, nine, 10 deep, sort of herky jerky? What are we doing with this group and in this mixture? Or is he going to try and find that core seven, core eight and, and, and unleash them? That's my question mark.
1: Yeah, I, I am for some reason very cautiously optimistic. Um I don't know if it's my age and between basketball and football, I'm being excited for all the new coaches and the new programs and, and you get really high and you know, I think every coach is gonna get Indiana back to that top, you know, five, right. top ten uh I'm just I'm just cautious. There's a lot of reasons to be excited, and I agree with you. There's no reason for Indiana not to make the tournament, to not to be a top seven seed uh, as as kind of a floor. But some of the same deficiencies are still the deficiencies until they're proven not to be. Um, uh, and and that's kind of where our our next question uh, lies is the main factors in determining the success for the Hoosiers. Um, I, I'm in agreement with you. Defensively, I feel great. Like, they're going to be in every game and shut down people. And, and and that's going to win a lot of games. But the offense was so up and down. It got better at the end. But, it you know, sometimes when you have a lot of returning players from a team that was suspect offensively, you have one-year-older suspect offensively <laughs> players. Right, Andy? I mean, right. um, I, I don't know. So, I, I'm just holding back from saying this is a – you know – uh, final four team, elite eight team tight until, until they have to prove it. And that doesn't mean it's not in the right direction. Uh, the recruiting, the, the bringing people back together, uh, the, the, the getting back to the tournament, everything is pointing in the good, good direction. It's just, I think it take might take a little more time than just in, in year two thoughts, Andy. It, yeah, I think it, it,
0: the defense and, and the kind of looking at it as what gives this team the foundation that, that Matt brought up, I think makes a lot of sense. And so really the swing from one you know, potential extreme to the other is really how much the offense evolves. And a lot of that goes to, one, finding guys who can consistently knock down outside shots, but two, also figuring out combinations of guys that can – Yes. Provide what you want offensively, and that speaks more to the rotation piece. I, I think I, I'm really curious to see what Woodson does now with more of "quote unquote" his players. You know, every coach comes in and says immediately when they take over, "Well, they're my players now." They're, you know, I want them all here, all those kinds of things. But you've you've seen some of the turnover. You've seen guys, you know, a couple guys leave, and now you you largely have a team full of guys that he's recruited, save for a couple. Um, and so as you have that, does he trust the bench more? Does he trust using the bench a little bit differently than he did last year? I mean, that's the big question that those of us who watch the, you know, second unit have so many struggles last year. And so it's like, can it, can that be different this year? And so I think that um, how he's able to mix and match the pieces, pieces that are there kind of keep everybody happy to a certain extent. Um, But, but that doesn't even matter as much as finding, finding people who can actually shoot the ball. Um, and really get the offense to to more of the high end possibilities there, as opposed to the you know low end where they really ended up last year.
1: Yeah, that I, we're all in agreement on on the rotation piece. You got to play your best players, uh, and you got to play them uh, more minutes and, and find other places. Uh, Matt, we'll combine a couple thoughts here that that Andy kind of brought up uh, with the question is what's going to what's the main factor in the your success and can they shoot well enough to be a, a top 15 team in in your opinion? Yeah, I, t- the shooting
2: is just a, a part of it. Like, I don't like to, I think sometimes as I talk about it and I over, I narrow my focus to like who is going to make shots. But I think if you brought it to just like the rotation piece, um, I mean, Tamar, Tamar Bates is the key. I know we're just calling to overreact to the video we saw on Twitter today, but to me, he's the key. He's the guy I fell in love with last year. Before the year started, I saw a flash of it throughout the season. Um, I continued to bang my head against the wall trying to convince my colleagues, Kai and Jim, that he's the real deal. All the Indiana fans, at least some of you, seem to agree with me. Maybe I'm completely off my rocker. Like I think, again, back to the whole ceiling versus floor debate, um, I think the best version of this team involves a scenario in which Bates really takes off and actually, kind of eats into Miller Cop's minutes, and, and that's no, no disrespect to Miller Cop. I think he actually has a little bit of shooting upside himself. But Bates just has more explosion, more dynamism on the wing, um, and I believe he's a great shooter. I, I don't. I think the free throw percentage last year is usually a good indicator um, if a guy struggled um, from, from bad variance shooting from behind the from behind the arc. Um, and then I guess the other question I have is: Is Avery Johnson, Jalen Hutschefina, are you gonna play those guys together? You could also argue maybe the a, a, a higher ceiling version of this team involves Chifino not maybe taking X's minutes, but, but, but being like the primary lead ball handler and based on everything I've heard about how awesome he's looked in pick and roll in practice and carving guys up, I think you have to make some room for him. It's just there's a lot of dudes and it's a crowded rotation, and that's where I have concerns about the ceiling because to me the ceiling is going to be determined by how sure your top seven, top eight are, And to me, the best version involves a lot of Tamar Bates, a lot of Jordan Geronimo, um, you know, taking flight.
1: Yeah, I still have some questions on Geronimo. I think he's a great talent. Uh, He's got to prove to me that he can play the wing a little bit to maybe be in, in my top seven. But I see where you're going with that. You're talking athleticism. Uh, the college game yeah. is athleticism. It's a guards game, in my opinion. We love Trace Jackson Davis. We love the bigs, but you got to have guards. Uh, interesting point about playing the two point guards together because that gives you multiple pick and, and, and roll guys. But one of them is going to have to be ready to shoot um, off off of that uh, that that pick and roll. Uh, so Tamar Bates, uh, Andy, uh, the the question is, who is uh, what player the. Uh, that we have on the run sheet, what player impacts winning the most? I think Matt said it right there and let us into that question. In your opinion, what player impacts winning the most? It doesn't necessarily mean it's trace Jackson Davis. Cause we know what he's probably going to give us.
0: Yeah. It, to me, it's one of the two guards that we talked about. I think a lot of it goes back to what, what you said about it really being a guards game and having somebody who can create shots and the two guys, at least newcomer wise is, uh, Tomorrow, not, not newcomers in Tamar Bates' uh, standpoint, but hopefully, you know, kind of blossoming as a sophomore, and then Jalen Hood Like, if you can get playmaking from those guys in the backcourt in a way that, I mean, last year it was really Xavier Johnson. Like, either he was going to go make a play or nothing was going to happen. Um, th- they weren't really getting a lot. And, and having you know, more stationary players like Parker Stewart and Miller Kopp on the floor for so often or so much of the minutes last season there are limitations to what you can really do with that. And uh, maybe that looks different if they make some of the shots that they miss, but um, at least being able to to try to make defenses worry about other guys, being able to break you down and being able to find a matchup out there that you can just go to over and over again and exploit their hands were tied a little bit in some of those situations last year. So if, if one of those guys can break out great, if both of them break out, I think that really unlocks the, more of the ceiling outcomes that we talked about earlier. If we go back to that whole floor ceiling conversation. That,
2: yeah. You said the point I was trying to say just 10 times better, Andy, like it, this, whether Jalen Huchifino can knock down out, open shots. Yeah. would be great. But just simply having him as an upgrade in terms of an overall dynamic score, playmaker, shot creator, shot maker, relative to Parker Stewart, having a guy like Bates who in his best version could be a more dynamic version of Miller cop. I think that just opens up the balance of the offense, the, the unpredictability, which you're right. I mean, I was just, I, I was texting my IU buddies like throughout the season, late in the years, like I, I can't believe this team has become so reliant on Xavier Johnson to do anything. Because when teams just collapse on TJD, yeah, that was always the you know the backup failsafe. And X, to his credit, man, like he put the superhero cape on plenty of times, especially down the stretch. Um, is that sustainable though, man? I don't, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, you know the the thought is to have um, multiple people who can deck it um, and, and put it on the ground um that that's that's important uh for indiana i think that i think that creates um shots so um interesting we might have lost matt matt you still there audio no i i hear you loud and clear my video seems okay, to very, have, uh, paused very, at the at the opportunity time i already
2: screenshotted that so make sure i'll post that on twitter very good sure we'll, d- we'll just keep going but uh, i think
1: multiple drivers um and, yes. and also matt i think that the ability for your shooters to be able to drive the basketball successfully matters too for long closeouts uh, and then creating shots off of that. Uh, So I think, I I think I agree with you on that, get your dynamic athletes and that's where Geronimo and his athleticism can uh, help this team move, move, move forward. So any last thoughts, Matt, on, on the Indiana Hoosiers? Uh, No question for you guys. Who's going to fill out the rest of this rotation? Like
2: the Geronimo renew banks, Lille, like I have no idea what to expect there. I mean, do you guys have any any reads there? Go ahead, Andy. Andy, you're muted.
0: Oh well, see, there you go. That was my way of telling you that you needed to, to talk about. Um, now I think uh, Renault definitely has a role uh, as the as the backup big. Heard a number of good things about him from a practice standpoint. Some of the other players, the comments they made about him. I feel. Uh, pretty confident that he's gonna gonna be in there. Um, you know, Galloway I know is getting a lot of mention in the chat. Uh, Coach Marlowe banging that drum again. Uh, recovering from injury certainly has some limitations, but as a guy that under two different coaching staffs has kind of found his way into minutes there. Uh, so we'll see uh, what what role he may have. Banks is kind of a wild card, uh, I would say, as you think about what what he may be able to do. But I think if you you know, figure you've got your your rotation is some combination of TJD race, Miller cop, the three guards that we talked about, uh, before Geronimo, uh, Renault kind of gets you to eight. And then, um, from there, I feel like I'm forgetting someone, uh, relatively obvious as well, but, uh, I, I think it's some combination of those guys. And maybe you get a, a banks, uh, or a, um, uh, uh, totally just, uh, or Trey Galloway maybe worked their way in from a, you know, from that spot. I, I, tough to say, there's a lot of, everybody's excited about the depth on the roster, but I don't think anybody's there's probably a couple right. guys, people have maybe said, Hey, these are the, maybe the last couple guys on there. But uh, I know even when some of the guys rank the, the roster uh, in terms of indispensable players, there was quite a bit of variance a, a couple weeks ago as we went through that exercise.
1: Yeah. The bank the, I've been touting banks, I, if he can play some defense, again, I think that fits what you've been saying, Matt, is that there's a guy that's 6'7", uh, can shoot some, can put it on the deck, can post up, um, do a variety of things. So I, I think that's uh, that's going to be interesting to see if he can carve out some minutes. But I think Renault is definitely going to get uh, some major minutes and be an important piece so that you have a three-man post. Uh, you don't have much drop-off if he is as good as advertised I think he will he will fill out the rotation uh, quite well, uh, but I think Woodson's going to play nine or ten. Uh, I just don't want to see the the five man, you know, first team, second team kind of rotations going on. Um, all right, let's move on to the to the Big Ten. Um, and, and Matt, you talked about Illinois uh, being the team that you think is going to win. That's going to catch a lot of grief from our, our chat moms. I'm a big Illinois fan. Uh, not a fan, but I, I appreciate what uh, coach does over there. And I think that they are very talented too, but who is in your top four or five um, in the big 10 uh, right now? So I have a pretty safe
2: top four. Um, that's why I should say a clear top four uh, Illinois, Indiana, Purdue and Michigan. Um, I have Purdue pretty close um, to Indiana there. And I have Michigan right behind Purdue. I think there's a little bit of a drop off, although room for, party crashing in the tier two and michigan state ohio state iowa are in that group um i'm i really know i've i'm still sorting out what ruckers and penn state are for the record i have no idea what what to make of them but i think illinois indiana purdue michigan if you had to put your chips on one of those horses uh you, you had a pretty good chance
1: of coming out on top um andy um any changes so far, and what you've been thinking? I know we've talked you know, off season. We're kind of always we're, we're repeating a little bit, but um, any thoughts on on the hierarchy there with the with the Big Ten?
0: No, I think uh, you know Ohio State's an interesting one to potentially put in that mix. Um, yeah, I, I do think you know to the point we made earlier. There's a lot of teams clustered there. You know, Michigan State with Izzo, you can never really, uh, never right. really count yep. out. So I think those top I mean, even six, theoretically, if you, if you figure Iowa's seventh, I, I wouldn't necessarily call them interchangeable, but I think as you move from team to team, there's not, there's not huge gaps uh, as you go through there. Everybody has reason to, for optimism, and everybody has some potentially large question marks, quite honestly, to, uh, to work through. So I, I don't know that I have – I feel like they're all going to be clustered around. I think even from a you know, bracketology standpoint early in the season, you're going to have a lot of teams within a couple couple seed lines – all pretty pretty bunched up, um, and, and maybe we start to see some separation based on how teams play in the non-conference, and maybe you start to get a little bit more clear tiering, if you will. But for now, it's kind of just a, a blob at the top to try to sort our way through.
1: You know, there's just a, a lot of turnover. Um, you have some good programs that have had success. You have some good coaches, maybe great coaches, actually, but you have a lot of, a lot of turnover. and then you have programs like Purdue and Wisconsin who have been traditionally good within their coaching system and their, and the way they play basketball. Um, and, and that's where Indiana, I think, is elevated because they win the experience. I think Indiana by far yes. has, has the most experience coming back. But you can't discount, uh, you know, uh, your Illinois, uh, o- Ohio State has a lot of good young talent coming in and then, you know, the transfer portal is just a new way of doing things, um, and and some work out, and some don't work out, so it's going to be a, a real interesting, I think, start to the season to try to identify who has rebuilt their programs at a top level, and, and keep going, but your thoughts on any newcomers that might really kind of impact the, the Big Ten, Matt. Every team has a few key ones, and it's like
2: I know it's sort of the new era of college basketball for a conference that I, is fundamentally distinct and I in generally I think people overplay like how they try and like stereotype conferences but the Big Ten really has like unique conference identity. I think anyone who's followed the league as a fan of the league knows that and you can point to the tournament shortcomings as a as a maybe a, a symptom of that to some degree. I don't I think it's more just poor variance. But in, in this conference, to me, experience and physicality are like the two calling cards. And this year is different than a lot of these teams at the top of the totem pole. Um, you look at Ohio State, Illinois, Michigan, especially like teams that I think are, you know, legitimately in contention to win this thing, are going to be relying on key freshmen at key spots. And that's sort of new, I think, to the Big Ten. And while Indiana is as well, I think they have a better backup contingency plan if those freshmen don't pop. Um, you know, in Michigan, you're going to be, you know, putting in Jed Howard, Coach Howard's son who, by the way, I think is criminally under, uh, value Jim, my colleague Jim Roo had a pretty good take on him today. So I think he's one to watch. I think he's a, you see his ranking. I think he's just outside the top 30. Um, he profiles like a five-star guy. So I think he comes in right away and and makes a huge splash microcosm of Michigan as a whole, their roster looks really like, really, it's just Hunter Dickinson and a bunch of nobodies. There's a lot more there that I think meets the eye. I, I would not sleep on that Michigan team. Um, And then I think for Illinois, Sky Clark's huge. That's, I mean, I'm putting a lot of chips in that basket, picking Illinois to win the league. He's gotten rave reviews so far. He's kind of their quasi five-star point guard. And Underwood wants to really play balls to the wall, you know, pressure, pace, all that stuff. And without Kofi, I think that kind of unlocks that opportunity. But he's, he told us behind the scenes, like, I'm not going to do that if, if Clark isn't ready. And we saw some of that turbulence with, with, uh, with Curbelo. So, you know, Underwood's great at adapting on the fly, but I think to for them to hit the best version of what they can be, Sky Clark's a key one to watch for Illinois. Um, the one for Purdue, and you guys might be more in the loop on this than, than I am, is the redshirt freshman Trey Kaufman-Wren. Um, I think he's a big breakout guy that people slept on last year because he redshirted but a former top 50 dude. And, a- again, another one of these Purdue guys that people probably don't take seriously. They're any better than you think, and Purdue's going to be right there when it's all said and done.
0: Yeah, so with with Illinois, I'm just kind of curious because you you obviously if you you're projecting them to win the league, you think these guys will be able to fit together and coexist pretty well. So how they've they got a lot of new faces though. between yeah, yeah between Clark and then you throw in Terrence Shannon, Matthew Meyer um, in, into the mix. Like, are those guys you feel like can can kind of coexist based on you know what you yeah. what you've heard at least?
2: Um. Yes, and I I fully admit that I could be just be biased. I'm the biggest Matthew Meyer and Terrence Shannon fan there is. I, I think both those dudes were um, fringe All American picks before last season. I think people forget what kind of hype they had. Shannon had injuries, never really hit his stride. Was kind of coming into a new system. Had a bunch of dudes that stepped in played really well. He still had a good year, just didn't kind of have the breakout year that I think I sort of expected. And and Matthew Meyer, I mean. Awesome tournament with that, that uh, championship Baylor team. Kind of struggles to fit on a guard-laden, injury-ridden team last season. He did have a little bit of a disappointing season, I'll, I'll concede, but I think he's the all the way legit. I think he'll fit in brilliantly with Underwood's system. And RJ Melendez and Coleman Hawkins are just burgeoning breakout candidates. I, I think they were uh, two more dudes where their accounting stats in no way reflect how good they are, right? So I think if Indiana fans want to put Tamar Bates on a pedestal, you have to at least be willing to hear – the argument for why Coleman Hawkins and R.J. Melendez and guys like that, uh, look at like, like Terrence Williams from Michigan. Why those types of guys are going to be way better than what they look at, what what they look like on paper, I guess.
1: You you mentioned that um, Illinois might be going back to the pressure stuff under underwood. He he played that at um, Oklahoma State and at uh, Stephen F. Austin. And he played yep. it for a year or two at Illinois and didn't have good success and then he forced everyone to the to the rim protector in Kofi yep. um and, and got better. So are, are you hinting that he's going to kind of go back to his old style if the point guard can can handle the the offensive running aspect? Is is that what you're saying? It that that'll be, be interesting. It's kind of a hybrid. So he he mm-hmm. he definitely he, I think from looking at the quotes behind it,
2: he he clarified it's not going to be like a true Stephen F Austin all-in pressure, mm-hmm. but it's it's going to be a, of just a more Pressure induced type of defense. I mean, he's he put his hand up and he said, I, I learned the hard way coming to the Big Ten. You can't just gamble, right? You need to pressure conservatively and pressure selectively because the ball handlers, the size, the experience is just too good. You can't get away with that in this league. And the difference this year is that, you know, Kopi was a, you know, obviously a imposing um, barrier up front, but, but Coleman Hawkins is could be as good, if not better, just because he's more nimble, is more agile, and can, you know, jump higher. So more of a vertical challenger where you look at you know trace jackson davis kind of a hybrid of like you know can get vertical but also has that physical stout presence alongside race so yeah I, i've really fall in love with the illinois team I, I think they have all the pieces there's a lot of uncertainty i think they'll be kind of maybe herky-jerky out of the gate but by big Ten play they're going to be the, they'll, they'll be the real deal
1: one well, one of the things that uh, i think post players need to be able to do is guard ball screens cuz they're you know the pick and roll is so prevalent in the college game you got to have the appropriate foot speed and lateral quickness to be able to hedge or hard hedge soft hedge trap you know uh, drop coverage ice whatever um, and and that Illinois got abused a little bit with, with Kofi because yes. he wasn't yep. that he was good at protecting yep. the rim. So that you know you have a more athletic big uh, that that can lead to a little bit better better defense. Uh, and then you know there's just good coaches too. I think you you talked a lot about Indiana's excited because we believe Tamar Bates is the key and he's going to make that jump from freshman to sophomore year. There's a lot of uh, players in the Big Ten that. When you're a fan of one, you you don't pay attention to those guys that were seventh, eighth, ninth guy in minutes, but are talented enough to make the jump. But you do have excellent coaches. In your mind, what coaches make the biggest difference uh, in the Big Ten, if whether it's the best or they get the most out of out of the talent that they have?
2: Well, um, Matt Painter is the obvious answer, right? Like I know we, we're all hoping to hear something else. Um, but thank let's you, by the way. It right <laughs> I, I mean every get, year that the team's them. good good no you, you shouldn't um you know you could already purdue underachieve last year I, I wouldn't i think they had some defensive lapses they struggled to kind of fit those pieces together but 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 this is the type of team that painter i think does more with less than um the second you discount him or or, or sleep on what that program is 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 when they bite you and when with the the force like Zach Eady up front, who I think is somehow underrated at this point. If you look at some of the on-off numbers, you talk about how it's important to be able to defend in ball screen. Yes, he's limited limited in that regard, but he's actually better than people think. And the the on-off splits with him on uh, defensively are just absolutely stellar, right? I mean, yeah, he can be exploited by really good timed ball screen action, but he's just such an eraser up front. He's seven foot four. He takes away everything in the paint. You cannot score inside five feet when he's out there. Um, and so he's a difference maker, and they have some really good role pieces coming back around him, and Matt Painter runs a great system. So, I mean, Painter's the the obvious answer for me. Um, I think Fran McCaffrey at this point, I mean, I underrate Iowa every single year. Like, every season, I'm like, oh, this team can't guard, and they lose this guy, and then they have question marks, and then, oh, they have an NBA player, and then they're the most efficient offense I've ever seen, and yada, 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 right? It's Bruce wash, repeat. So I've learned my lesson with them. Um, I think they're just outside of, I think they're, they're fifth, maybe six right by Michigan state, Ohio state. And that kind of that five through seven range with upside to crack, the top four, uh, McCaffrey to me has earned my respect. Right. I don't mean to like not mention Tom Izzo and the other established names, but I think McCaffrey and painter are the two that really like, okay, like you got to make sure like those are X factors in how I appraise teams.
1: I probably need to lean, learn that you're, lesson. You're about. one
2: for two with Coach. You yeah. like
0: the he liked the Matt uh, and then well, you productive. lost him. I, I don't lost like him with McCaffrey. Okay. I don't like Sam mm-hmm.
2: McCaffrey. I think he's an insufferable old curmudgeon who defends yes. guys. All right, like All right. All right. now you you're guys. talking. You got him back. Coach. <laughs> is he a good basketball
1: <laughs> coach? Coach, I, I think we have to concede. Right, I think the white flag has to. I raise. am. I am that way on a basketball coach, but I'll never like him. You're right, but but you're right. You know, you discount Iowa, and. And they're, they're you know, they're always there. And the piece that you mentioned that is, I think is an important piece that sometimes we as fans don't look at is that player development. When players come from nowhere and then they're not just better for the Iowa program, like they make a difference nationally from uh, being, you know, under-recruited or, or whatever. He, he does get a lot out of his team. He just needs to hire me as defensive coordinator and then we'd, <laughs> we'd win national championships because there's no D in Iowa. But but you know who else needs a D
2: coordinator is Chris Holtman, who I love by the way too. He's probably my third mm -hmm. name, who I think gets under undervalued. That's a weird roster this year, by the way. They have a lot of question marks. There's a team in like the upper the top half that has the biggest range of outcomes. I think Ohio State is like the, you know, probably the the best Jekyll and Hyde candidate, I guess.
0: Yeah, they have a crazy amount of newcomers. I really like Ice Likely, but they got a lot of pieces to try to integrate with one another to figure out how it all fits together.
2: And Holman said point blank, like our freshmen have to be good for us to be good. So he he knows those guys are going to play key minutes. I don't think he banks on suing, being healthy. Um, So that's kind of a good thing for IU fans. Like I think the presumed best player for Ohio State, um, it it may not even be a full 100% to start or throughout the whole year. So um, the freshmen have to be good right away for Ohio State. Yep.
1: Indiana has four. Really big non-conference uh, uh, opponents, Matt. Uh, Arizona, Kansas, Xavier, uh, North Carolina. Uh, how do they do in those four? If you had to make a prediction right now.
2: Wait, who's the fourth? Sorry, Arizona, KU. Xavier Arizona. and North Carolina. Man, Xavier's good this year. It's just not, it's like Xavier went back in time to like the glory Xavier days. They just brought Sean Miller. Um, I think they go two and two in those two, in those four um i think you go two and two you're happy i really do um unc has gotten a lot of a lot of love and rightfully so um arizona is now in that elite crop with tommy lloyd and what he's got cooking there xavier is is going to be fringe top 25 i some people have xavier ranked ahead of indiana i don't i'm not going to go there but that's going to be a you know not a coin flip game but a game Indiana's going to have to work for um and kansas is kansas right so I, I'm cautiously optimistic. That IU goes two and two in that, but but even one and three is not like you you know you light the dynamite on and, and blow the whole season up, right? So I mean, just a gauntlet of a non continent season. I'm, I'm I'm glad Woodson's going to test the boys early.
0: Yeah, I think everybody, if you gave them the option and just said you can go you can go two and two in these games, I think everybody'd feel pretty yes. good um, yeah. at that point. Particularly particularly with the Kansas one coming at Kansas. Um, and, and, you know, Xavier, CentOS Center is a tough place to play, uh, as, as well, uh, locally for me here in Cincinnati. So, um, you know, a couple of really true road games in tough environments, which you get find a way to get one of those that has huge implications for a tournament resume. But yeah, I think if you can swing two and two out of that, you'd feel pretty good. All the other non conference games are imminently winnable and hope for the best yeah. there.
1: And, and to wrap up, um, our, our segment two, uh, conference realignment uh, do we have conferences anymore okay. are conferences going to be a thing or is it just a bunch of independent contractors like the the PGA tour <laughs> and and live golf and all, all, <laughs> all of that stuff but m- money's dominating college athletics now um and, and your takes on how that um, shakes up the big 10 and, and college basketball in general
2: i hate it i really do i think the big 10 is past year also the other leagues it's but it's one that's had more uh you know homogeny, whatever the word I'm trying. I used to be smart. Um, you know, I used to have like more of that, had an identity, right? The schools and the programs you knew who they were, the ACC has been shaken up even the sec. Uh, the big East kind of has that I think, but the big tens really had that even though we let Rutgers in the door and, you know, we, we've sort of kind of grown used to that, but, um, no, it sucks for, for the big 10. I, I, I did from a fan perspective. I, I hate it. I don't want to have to, you know, play, you know, UCLA or, or, or USC or whoever the, i don't know the, the west coast thing just doesn't make sense to me and they don't like basketball out there anyway so they have better things to do so I, I would like to have them stay out of
1: my pool and and you know we can play in ours and they can play in theirs so i guess their pool's an ocean so <laughs> uh, i hear you all right next on the assembly call we have your questions to answer so stick with us
2: Welding instructor, Alex DeClaire, knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's
0: a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a
1: shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. All right, welcome back to our segment three. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Uh, joining me tonight, Andy Bottoms and uh, Matt Cox from the three-man weave. And uh, it's now time for uh, our mailbag. All questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about. And also join by going to assemblycall.com backslash community. Okay, first question is uh, from uh, J.D. Uh, DeFreeze. Um I'd love to hear Matt talk about what it's like being a Duke fan while being an IU student. Oh, <laughs> uh, I have every year I, that
2: goes by, my Duke fandom dissipates and my IU fandom grows stronger. I used to be a split down the middle. I actually had a point where I would root for Duke just because I was brainwashed as a child. I used to have a picture of my one year old self right here as a, you know, my diaper and, and Duke thing. Um, no, it's the worst. Uh, but Coach K is now gone, so it actually makes it more enjoyable because the whole Coach K thing got really annoying after a while. So.
1: Very, very good. We M- had to hit M- that.
0: Mr. K, as Titus Tate would say. Mr. Mr. K. K. Yeah, right, yeah. Mr. K. Um, Mr. Little
2: K. Lower K.
1: Leslie Anderson asked this. Um, she qualifies it, I guess, as an awful question. Her awful question is, Uh, do you think recruits often include us in their top five or their final choices uh, simply for the social media likes uh, and follows we'll start with you Andy do you think they just include us and then not pick us but they get a lot of um... I mean I would
0: tend to I would tend to think no Um, I mean I'm not (laughs) sure that I'm one who has uh, the finger on the pulse of uh, what a high school basketball recruit would, would do. And the, the reasons behind that, but I, I would assume not. I, I think, uh, you might have some of that in the ones that put out, well, here's my top 33 schools or something where it's like a, uh, you know, somebody just threw logos up all over the place. But I, I don't know that I think when you get down to, uh, to that point at the end where you've only got a handful left, I think those are the ones that you're legitimately considering. I would, I would assume.
1: Matt, your thoughts on, on recruiting and social media, just in general. I'm always, I'm
2: always here for a good conspiracy theory. I'm a conspiracy theorist <laughs> myself uh, in my spare time. I, I'm going to say, yes, I think she's spot on. That's <laughs> you, all I'm going to say. There you <laughs> thanks, go. Gavel. End of discussion.
1: Steve Harvey asked a question and we kind of answered it, but, but we can give a, a short answer to this again. Thanks for your question, Steve. Um, Other than TJD, what one player having a breakout season would most positively affect our chances winning the Big Ten championship? So I'm going to change that a little bit, Steve. We've we've all kind of said Tamar uh, Bates earlier in the show. But let's go, if it's not Tamar, who's the other uh, big factor in Indiana uh, winning a Big Ten championship? Matt? I'm going to say X. Right, if we see last nine games of year
2: X for a pretty consistent basis throughout the season, I mean, that, it's hard not to, you know, you can nitpick his his qualms all you want, but if that version shows up, that, that's a pretty big boost.
1: Andy, if it's uh, we've all kind of said tomorrow, TJ yeah, tomorrow I'd, out of the question.
0: Yeah, I'd probably I'd say Huchifino, uh just again as another playmaker for some of the reasons that we we had talked about earlier in the show i think it's i think it's got to be a guard that was really one of the biggest issues last year of you really had one guard that you could you could count on and even though x was relatively uh volatile at times like you still knew what you were going to get particularly from an effort standpoint night in and night out maybe shot would fall maybe it wouldn't sometimes decision making was a question but you never really questioned uh, you know, the effort level and, and some of those things. And he was really, from a guard's perspective, the one guy in the backcourt you could count on. So to me, this almost has to be a guard.
1: I, I totally agree with both of your your choices. With I agree with Tamar and the guards because I believe it's a guard game. But we have not talked about Race Thompson. You know, the guy who does everything, block shots, hustles down the floor, hopefully can hit a, a few more threes. I, I don't think he's the answer to – who's going to be that breakout or that next best player to win, but he is a key component and part of the depth of the Indiana Hoosiers this year. And then the other thought too, is um, you never know, you know, is it Geronimo reaching his potential and using his athleticism? Does a Banks carve out 10 or 12 key minutes and become a a, a tough matchup uh, that win a few games that you might not have won without those guys that, uh, push a, a team to a big 10 championship. But I do believe it's one of the two guards or both of them having more of their ceiling level years. Cause we already know what race and, and TJD and we've had bigs for years, going back for years. And, and the guards have struggled. Uh, if we have good guard play, uh, we have a chance uh, Indiana. i don't play for the Hoosiers, but uh, Indiana has a chance. Um, Jim Town. Um, Gentown Hoosier says, seem we have missed on several high-profile recruits recently. Are you still confident the current staff can continue to upgrade to talent? We'll throw that to you, Andy, first. Recent misses, does that affect uh, your opinion on the recruiting efforts?
0: I, I don't think so. I, you got uh, w- with Huchifino and Renault coming in, you got a couple high-profile guys this season, so just because ones maybe in the next class haven't uh, materialized in the same way uh, doesn't necessarily worry me at this point. I, I think it'll be important to see what he's able to make of those. I think that was the one thing that people talked about a lot last year with Bates of, you know, you took a guy who was kind of borderline, you know, four or five star uh, and he didn't really play a whole lot at various, uh, at various points. And so are you doing damage to your potential to get other guys like him as you move forward that might be overblown, but I think if you're able to, you know, kind of show some progression with him, but also being able to get Huchio Fino and Renaud some minutes, maybe to answer some of those questions, but yeah. I'm not worried at this point about that.
1: Matt.
2: Now you guys are way more informed and stuff than I am. I'm, I'm with Andy though. I, I'm not at all concerned. I think you kind of have to stagger your classes The you don't, the, the top programs, you know, only three programs do the five-star thing year in and year out. I don't think you need that. To, to to get back up there you, you got to kind of tie in and sequence your rosters and then you fill in the gaps as the years go by i think they'll, they'll be fine
0: uh, it's kind of an it's kind of an interesting conundrum when you look at the big 10 because yeah. t- typically the teams that perform well in the big 10 are the guys who aren't getting ones and duns and kind of have guys grow in the program now you could flip that around and make the argument that that's why the big 10 hasn't won a national championship <laughs> right. in over 20 years um so it's a little bit of both it probably depends what you think you want to accomplish and maybe that's connecting dots that don't really that aren't really there to be connected but there's there's probably a little bit of uh you know cause and effect maybe in in some of those situations
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm not concerned at all. I think Woodson's connection to the NBA and his ability to close and communicate have gotten some recruits early on that I don't know that we would have expected in a coaching change. Um, But I think he's doing a good job. I really like Gabe Uh, Cups. I hear a lot of good things about the Newton kid. I know he's injured right now, so we hope that recovers. But Um, no, I think they have a plan and, and the bottom line is when you're involved with good quality recruits, you're up against other programs that are good as well, that are doing the same thing, trying to recruit. And and so, you know, recruiting losses happen, but, um, I think we're in, in good, um, good hands and, and Jim, Tom follows it up by saying, is is there, why, why Maryland, uh, with a couple guys that we've on campus and, and a couple of the recent losses of the Kaiser and, uh, uh dhs going to maryland any thought on on what willard's doing uh matt at, at maryland it, is it just local guys wanting to stay home new coach he's I,
2: I mean i don't there's concerns he wasn't gonna be able to recruit that dmv area which means a lot to the maryland fans much like recruiting you know closing down the borders means a lot to the indiana fans uh but he's starting to get some local dudes and that was a big concern and i think he's kind of re igniting that narrative and i think when you come into a place and you kind of resurface that 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 plays um and i think he's just built momentum from seeing hall. I, I think he's an underrated coach i think willard's a guy that people seem to overlook because he was at seed the hall for a while and didn't really do a ton like in terms of instantly tournament success but i think he's gonna be a thorn in the big 10 side for the next few years i really do just
1: add another coach um yep to to, to the big 10 and, and then we'll, we'll just end this matt um You are the three man weave. Uh, And, you know, Kai and Jim are your partners. Tell us a little bit about your partners, right?
2: And and, and, and what you do
1: on on the web pages. We end, end the show for people who may not, who should be, but may not be familiar with what the good work the three of you do.
2: No, thank you. And like, thanks for having me on. But yeah, Jim and Kai and myself have been doing this for uh, since I graduated college, basically in 2013. We just run our own website, 3-man-weave.com. That's where you can go to buy the uh, the inaugural debut of the College Basketball Almanac. And we'll do a, a weekly podcast. We've been doing that for I think six years now. Um, so that's kind of where we you know we put most of our content. We'll do some shows throughout the year. Still trying to sort out who we're going to work for and who will be putting our ugly mugs in front of this season. Um, but you know, you follow us on th- Twitter at, three MW underscore CBB, and we'll try and route you to those places. I don't actually do the, any of the Twitter at all. That's all my cohort Shim and Kai, they do all the good work there. I'm just kind of the, uh, I'm a leech in the background <laughs> that kind of, you know, just rides their coattails and, and I appreciate their hard work and their labor. So,
1: Andy, any, any final thoughts on this Thursday evening, as we get closer to football and, uh, really closer to basketball, um, coming up uh, by the way I just remembered tickets for uh, the Vegas game go on sale tomorrow at one o'clock eastern so if you're planning to make the trip like I am with my family buy those tickets uh if you can't get them through the university yeah absolutely
0: I mean always uh exciting to to you know kind of talk through the big ten you know we've done this periodically throughout the offseason but it does feel maybe it's just the fact that they had the fan fest over the weekend you actually saw some of these guys uh, on the floor but it does make it feel a little bit closer uh, I know for my Daughter, we had our you know first round of tryouts last weekend and, and player evaluations and stuff. So that makes that part of it seem like it's getting a little bit closer. So uh, it is, uh, it is, it is coming quickly and uh, excited for it as everybody is. And a week from now, coach, you'll be uh, on the eve of the first tailgate of the year. So uh, lots to be excited about.
1: Uh, absolutely. Uh, Matt, thank you for joining us. Uh, again, uh, we appreciate what you do and, and, and wish you nothing but success uh, going forward. But uh, that's going to do it uh, for us this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thanks to Bob Thompson for producing our music, and thanks to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Until then.
2: Take it from me, Yogi Ferrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers.
1: Thank you. Thanks for coming out. You bet, Coach. All right. Thank you, guys. Great show. Um, Thanks for everyone who joined us in the chat. Love the uh, music conversation there. So that you know, as as our content leveled off, you guys got into the <laughs> conversation there. The Sean Cassidy on a T-shirt. A lot more
0: Sean Cassidy and uh, Tiger Beat conversation than Sean I would have Cassidy. predicted. I mean, we're sitting here talking like, basketball. You never know. I,
1: the chat is talking about Tiger Beat. I mean, man, we might need to reevaluate <laughs> our run sheet and our and and what we're doing. I'm just know. not that
2: versatile i'm not i'm not that versatile <laughs> i'm a stand in the corner stand still a sheet or floor spacer man i can't yeah. talk tiger beat and sean cassidy i could talk yeah. ted
1: lasso though now no, that yeah. that's a
2: domain i can play
1: hey when's that when's the new uh season starting have have we heard i, I know they're supposed filmed to be it.
0: the fall the, to be fall the last i heard fall. but I, i'm not sure exactly when i don't know that there's been a specific date out so well we shall see good deal but,
2: so
1: all right all righty thanks everybody yeah jens um, appreciate it man thank yep. you guys yep. looking yep, forward to so the almanac good work again Uh, on that and let's go Hoosiers let's go Hoosiers all righty good night everybody all right thanks everybody some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate not one based on Carol she's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her why pay a rate based on anyone else get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate